0: This is episode 27 of the Higher Christian Life Broadcast, and my name is Steve McCraney. It's been quite a while since our last teaching, and that's been plenty of time for you to have either experienced, one, the joy of wondrous success in the higher Christian life, or two, you've tasted of the bitter gall of continued failure. My guess that is probably a little bit of both, probably more light on the success side and heavy on the failure side. And a constant diet of failure can lead to disappointment, discouragement, self-loathing and self-doubt, depression, and the overwhelming urge to just chuck it all, give up, and quit. But quitting never accomplishes anything, especially in the spiritual life. So I want you to take a deep breath, for today we're going to begin to look at the answer to the age-old question that every single one of us have suffered with. And that is, what happens if I fail at the higher Christian life? Or why doesn't it seem to work for me? And in looking at this, we're going to discover some great encouragement as we begin to answer that question. So let's jump right in, shall we? As I shared with you in the intro, we spent a lot of time talking about The Higher Christian Life, I think 26 episodes up until now. And then we've taken about a month or so off, and there's been a reason for that, and that's for us to be able to apply what we've learned in practical application and day in and day out living to try to live and experience this higher Christian life that God has laid out for us. And as I shared with you, we've had plenty of time to experience either success or failure and failure is painful, and failure makes you want to quit. And probably if you're like most believers, you've had some success, but you've had more failure. You've had a couple steps forward, but more steps back. The times that you've been successful in the higher Christian life have been great, but the failures have been almost debilitating to the point that you begin to believe that it's not for you, that you can't work it out, that somehow this just isn't in the cards for you. And it leads to disappointment and depression and self-loathing and a lack of confidence and an overwhelming desire to quit and give up. But you can't do that at all because I've got some great news for you today. I mean, what if I were to tell you that all of your failures in trying to experience the higher Christian life are actually part of God's great plan for you to first of all, make you see yourself as you truly are. Listen carefully. From God's perspective, when it comes to your flesh, the person that you are is one who is incapable, absolutely impossible of doing anything good in the flesh. Anything good in the flesh. I know that one stings, and I know it's kind of painful, and I know it kind of erodes our confidence in ourselves, but the fact is, the first step to fighting through and overcoming these failures is to realize who you are and see yourself as someone who cannot please God at all in the flesh. And to drive that point home, let me share a verse with you from Isaiah 64, 6. It says this, but we are all like an unclean thing and all our righteousness, the very best we can be in the flesh. Again, it's not the imputed righteousness of Christ, but it's our righteousness, living by the law, doing the good things that we think somehow merits God's favor, and allows us to experience the higher Christian life, or in some cases, even opens up the gates to heaven. All our righteousness are like filthy rags. My wife hates when I share this, but the term for filthy rags is used menstrual cloths. Is probably the most disgusting thing we can think of. All my righteousness to God is nothing more than used menstrual cloths. And so when we recognize who we are, one who is incapable of doing anything good in the flesh, and we realize that part of our failures is God allowing us to experience those things to drive that point home, sometimes it can be an encouragement. For example, this is Romans 7, 18, the first part of that verse. And I want you to listen to this. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. And here's what he says. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Really? Yes, in me, in my flesh, not my spirit, he says, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Remember, this was written by a man far more intimate and mature in the Lord than most of us are today. And it was written decades after he first met the Lord on the Damascus Road. You can read that in Acts chapter 9. So this was not the depressed rantings of some young believer who couldn't, keep himself and being drawn back to his dark side and lived in a constant state of failure. Now, these are the words of a seasoned apostle. As a matter of fact, probably the greatest apostle of all. But there's more. Just think, we would assume that by the time Saul became known as Paul, we see that in Acts chapter 13, that he would have somehow figured out how to keep his flesh, his old man permanently dead and buried. Romans six six says, "Knowing this that our old man was crucified with him, that is the body of sin, might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin." Paul probably should have figured it out by now how to keep that old man dead and buried and not walking around in a corpse like somebody from the Walking Dead. But if you read the rest of this verse, Romans seven eighteen, in totality. You'll see that Paul struggled with his failure in his walk with Christ, just like you and I struggle. Here's what it says. First part, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. Did you catch what Paul's saying? The desire, the will to live the higher Christian life or to live a life free from the bondage of sin is, as he says, present with me, but how to perform what is good, living a life of sanctification, a life of holiness, the higher Christian life, what God expects of us, all the things we've been talking about, how to perform what is good, I do not find. I'm looking for it, I'm striving for it, but I can't find it. As a side note, the word translated perform literally means to work, to bring about, to accomplish, to carry out a task until finished. So Paul is saying that he struggles to find the key to unlock the door to spiritual victory when it comes to experiencing on a day-by-day basis, a life not stained by sin, by the flesh and the grieving of the Holy Spirit. He struggles with how to perform or to bring about until finished living a life of holiness or sanctification, or in our terms, how to experience the higher Christian life. Now, please don't get me wrong. Paul did experience unbelievable, mind-blowing, wondrous times of intimacy with the Lord, probably greater than anyone you and I have ever known. In 2 Corinthians 12, he was taken up into the third heaven and seen things that he's not even allowed to tell us about. Yet, In spite of all that, he still struggled to find the permanent answer to this question. The permanent answer. Is there a way to keep me from failing? In essence, what we learn is that Paul was just like each of us. He was striving to live his life Christ-like, yet he had ups and downs and peaks and valleys and two steps forward and one step back. It seems like his life was a struggle just like ours. Look at what he says in the next verse, Romans 7 19. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Key word here, practice, proso. The word means what one does repeatedly, continually, habitually, with no end in sight. Let that sink in. The evil that I will not to do, that I do repeatedly, continually, habitually, with no end in sight. Now Paul, knowing what his life was like before Christ, and knowing what he knows about Christ now, still practiced habitually, with no end in sight, the things he hated doing and he calls those the evil he strived not to do. So what is the answer to this spiritual dilemma that plagued Paul and probably every other Christian believer since? Or who has the key to victory over the power of sin and the power of our flesh? Here's the question we all ask. Is there a way to keep me from failing spiritually? And the answer is absolutely without a doubt. Absolutely. So be encouraged with that. And over the next few sessions, we're going to unpack three truths that can set you free from the sting of failure and firmly plant you on the path to a life of intimacy with him and victory over your flesh. And by the way, those are both connected or what we call the higher Christian life. Today, I'm just going to introduce these three truths to you, and then we're going to be breaking them down and looking at them in great detail in the sessions to come. Here they are, just as an introduction. Number one, with your sinful nature, with your flesh, you are incapable of producing anything good. Let me say it again. With your sinful nature, with your flesh, you are incapable of producing anything good. Remember Isaiah 64, 6. And this means no matter how hard you try, for how long you try, or how committed you are to trying, period, in the discussion. Now, this truth may knock you back a little on your heels because it assaults your innate goodness and in what you try to do to earn the pleasure of God. But this truth is true Nonetheless, we'll talk about that in the next session. Number two, God has given you the Holy Spirit to dwell within you for the purpose that he, and this is from Philippians 2.13, works in you to will and to do for his good pleasure. He has a plan for your life. There are things that he wants to do through you and to you and for you, and he wants to do those for his good pleasure, and therefore you have the Holy Spirit living in you, God himself, to accomplish that purpose. You and I may sit back and go, well, that's easy to believe. I mean, it's like a simple Sunday school lesson, but if you will... Dwell on that, and and we will in sessions to come. The implication of that truth to you being able to live a victorious, higher Christian life cannot be understated. But we'll also look in detail at what that means for us today at another time. And number three, last one, and this one's the kicker. This is the hard one to get your mind around. When Christ was crucified, he took with him to the cross not only our sins, which we all say, hallelujah, but also our sin nature, our old man, Romans 6, 6, which some of us have a hard time imagining, and it is here in our understanding and our acceptance or our reckoning as the Bible says, of what Christ's death accomplished regarding my old man and my sin nature, that true victory over our failure is found. For the believer, this is home base. This is everything. Remember these words, and we'll close with this, Romans 6, 11. Likewise, you also reckon consider yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Back to point number three, that when he died on the cross, he took with him our sin nature. And once we understand it and believe it and live according to it and reckon ourselves to be dead indeed to sin, then we will learn how to be alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is just a taste, it's just the beginning. We'll talk more in our next session, but I want you to realize that we are going to discover some profound truths as we learn how to experience the higher. Christian life. So hang with us because the best times are still ahead of us. So until then.